Hello, my name is Emily Jansen, and this is the Leadership is Female podcast. I'm a female leader in sports. I'm the general manager of a AAA baseball team in minor league baseball, and I'm the first woman to hold this title in nearly 20 years. And I'm here with the Leadership is Female podcast to make sure that this amount of time never goes by again before another woman leads. Marion Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. So I am here to interview successful women in sport to uncover opportunity, learn the tips, learn from our mistakes, learn from our successes to get you to the top faster. Join me and my guests week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. I will lead her forward because leadership is female. Kia Clark is Chief Executive Officer of the New York Liberty, where she leads and manages all business aspects of the Liberty organization, including strategic planning, revenue, P&L, and operations. Additionally, Kia works with stakeholders on key elements of team business, including growing the fan base, maximizing sales and fan engagement, and improving business performance. Kia is entering her 11th season with the Liberty. She did not join 11 years ago as CEO. She grew from within. Today's episode takes us through the journey of advocating for yourself, finding your voice, and creating visibility for yourself inside the organization so that the next opportunity can come your way. Among Kia's many awards, she was recognized by Crane's New York Business as a 2019 notable woman in the business of sports. In 2020, Kia also was named to Involve's 2020 list of top 100 ethnic minority executives in Sports Illustrated's The Unrelenting List. Additionally, she serves at the Sports Innovation Lab Women's Leadership Board. Kia is cool, calm, and collected. She's a role model for us all, and I am honored to share this conversation with you. Welcome to the Leadership is Female podcast. Today, we've got Kia Clark, Chief Executive Officer of the New York Liberty in the WNBA. We could not be more thrilled to have you on the podcast, Kia. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Our pleasure. So I want to toss it to you for the introduction to tell us who you are, what you do, and how you got there. Sure thing. Well, I am Kia Clark. And, you know, you asked the question who I am. I guess I'd start by saying uh, uh, I am a mother. I'm a wife. I'm a daughter. Um, and I, ha- I happen to also be the chief executive officer of the New York Liberty, um, one of the original teams in the WNBA. Uh, so in that position, you know, I oversee all of the business operations, everything um, that doesn't concern the basketball operation, if you will, um, and management of the PNL and the budget um, as well. And uh, how I got um, to this particular um, time and space really is, um, you know, uh, an interesting story, um, a long story, as this is. Uh, I think I'm approaching my 16th season in association with the WNBA, um, 11 with the Liberty, and I spent uh, four and a half um, years at the NBA WNBA league office. Um, And prior to um, my foray into professional basketball, um, I had a couple quick stops at the very beginning of my career right after college, uh, first at the Basketball Hall of Fame. 
um, where I was in uh, ticket sales and really learned the ropes of a sports museum. And then uh, separately, while I was in graduate school at NYU, um, I held a position at Golf Digest. So I worked on a couple of the titles within um, that portfolio, inclusive of a now defunct uh, Golf for Women magazine. And really that was um, the eye opener for me that I probably should uh, go ahead and pursue a, a position in women's sports. I had all but been avoiding it quite honestly. Um, throughout my studies and having been an athlete and having um, had a major interest in marketing and, and really the corporate side of you know business, that moment at Golf for Women is what really helped me to, to bridge the gap and put the two together. And, and I pursued um, a position at the WNBA and was fortunate enough to get one. I've got to throw it back to the beginning of your introduction, just real quick, introducing yourself as a mother and a wife, and then the CEO of New York Liberty. That is so near and dear to my heart. As women, we are so many things, and we are so much more than our job titles. So I'm so thrilled that that you shared that with us. I know you've got two kiddos and and a big job and, and a family and a husband. Then you've got your, your corporate office that big, you know, window in New York city. So you were promoted to CEO in 2020. Walk us through your first year in this role where the world went through a pandemic. Is there anything that you could tell us about the wobble? And, uh, yeah, let us, let us know what it was like year one in what was, uh, certainly not a typical year. Sure. You know, it's, Still a little bit shocking to me that um, during a pandemic and just, you know, at that point, I believe it was July, we were only a few months into, you know, our, our new world and our new way of doing things as we know it today, you know, now sitting a year um, and dealing with COVID and uh, battling COVID. So it, it really um, had been just an ongoing um, day to day, like we were, we weren't quite business as usual because we were remote, but in my mind, it was business as usual in that we needed and wanted to bring WNBA basketball, Liberty basketball to our fans. So, you know, at the same time, um, being really seen and, and recognized for the work that I had done by leadership of the company, by ownership of the team, um, and fairly new owners of this team, really helped me to put in perspective, into perspective, you know, exactly what it is that we're doing. You know, I, I work for a sports team, but really I view this as an opportunity to amplify women, an opportunity to put women at the forefront. And here was, you know, really forward thinking leadership, really forward thinking ownership saying, um, you know, you, you operate this business. Um, we admire the work that you've done. And, and for that reason, we're promoting you to chief executive officer. You know, you're the senior most person on this team and you operate this team. So we want you to have the title to coincide with the work that you do. Um, and more importantly, give you the tools that are equitable to help us become successful. So that was the really, really exciting part is really, you know, uh, it was a realization um, by the folks who, um, and, and we're a newly acquired team by Joe and Clara Sai, um, to really say, you know, look, we're all dealing with a lot and you're managing people from afar. Um, I actually did not 
go down to Bradenton, Florida, into the bubble. Um, I sent two dynamic people um, from my team. We were very, very limited on the number of folks who could be on site for health reasons. And, you know, it was just much more beneficial, um, much more efficient for me to send the experts in, in what they did than for me to be on site and try to do their jobs. Um, you know, one position I had never even done before in terms of PR and communications in, in communications and the other being, you know, our VP of marketing who was on site. So I was uh, thoroughly amazed and pleased with um, not only how the team, my staff responded to how to reinvent themselves and do their jobs under, you know, different circumstances. And that was true for the people in Florida. It was also true for the people back here in New York. So um, that was really, I think, uh, you know, we all love promotions and new responsibility and uh, new ways of doing things. This was all of the things at once, like in one fell swoop, you know, I was, learning to manage from afar um, at the same time as trying to, uh, you know, have a season that wasn't in our home arena. So needless to say, um, it was not a dull year. <laughs> there were many twists and turns, but remaining fluid, um, remaining calm, cool, and collective is really, um, you know, what I focused on every single day. You were promoted internally. Um, congratulations, by the way. I mean, to be recognized for your talent like deserves all the claps and kudos in the world. And you had been with the team for I think nine years in various roles before you took the position of CEO. So can you talk to us about the process of internal growth from within? How did you make sure that you were progressing in your career, had the opportunity to level up, had the opportunity to raise your hand and take on new projects so that when this role presented itself, it was Kia all day long? Mm -hmm. It is true. Um, you know, uh, I guess now it's 11 years ago, I began as the marketing manager for the New York Liberty and was like a deer in headlights. I remember on my first day when uh, my boss said, uh, I've been I've been operating Facebook and Twitter for the last couple of weeks in the interim when the last person left, you take Facebook, I'll take Twitter, let's go. And, you know, really out of necessity, um, opportunities just continue to unfold you know, with every single passing season. And, you know, not to belabor all the minute details of what this franchise um, has been sort of experiencing over time, but, you know, we're celebrating 25 years this summer. And over those 25 years, there's been a lot of curves and a lot of bends and a lot of change um, that has occurred. And I've been here for, you know, a, a, a little under half of that. And really it's, not just raising your hand um, and being ready and being willing for new opportunities and new responsibilities. It's like in women's basketball, in the WNBA, those opportunities are more vast because the teams are smaller. We're leaner. Um, you're looking for people who have multiple skill sets. And I just happen to be like in this perfect storm where I could reach over and be of assistance to the ticket sales department. I was 
doing a lot of the sponsorship activation for the partners that we were bringing on, my job was to really lead the marketing efforts from a creative standpoint, from a digital content standpoint. Um, but really over time, just, you know, with each move to a new arena or a uh, new franchise player or, you know, just all of circumstantially, the stars just kept aligning where I could take on more. Um, I could have the opportunity and the faith and trust of the management of management to give me more opportunities. And really that transpired fully into like, huh, this is, um, I'm almost not even in marketing anymore is where we kind of ended up um, at the end of that stint. I had been the director of marketing and then um, going through my resume, I transitioned to VP of team business development. And it was at that point that I really recognized operations and really the 360 degree view and oversight of all of the departments was more my cachet than being solely focused on marketing. And if it had not been for the exposure to every single department, I would have never have uncovered that. So I'm really thankful, you know, for the initial interest in, in how I got to this, this, this space. But, um, you know, it, it wasn't intentional. I wish I could say it was intentional. It was not intentional, but, um, you know, the desire to, to be better, to get better and to take on um, new challenges is really what continued to, to motivate me and really what brought me to this, this point in my career. So now that you are CEO leading a team of probably very talented individuals at the New York Liberty, how do you think women or any employee should articulate or demonstrate their willingness to grow within an organization? If someone came to you, you know, what, what would be your hope or your tips um, for them on how they should tell you that they want to progress? Yeah, you know, and that's a really good question. And I'd have to say it's something that I had to improve upon over time. Really, it was finding my voice um, that changed things in a major way and allowed me and enabled me to advocate. And, and what I mean by finding your voice is we can show up to work every day and do exactly the things that our direct supervisors ask us or tell us to do. You could show up to work every day and sit at your desk and do the things that you just know to be your specific job. But, but where things change is what do you do above and beyond that? Or how do you become a solutions-oriented person versus a reactive person? And again, I, I mentioned this with you know all hindsight. <laughs> I had to learn this because there were moments in time where it's like, why didn't I get promoted? Why was I passed over for a promotion? It's like, well, you know, you do good work, but I'm looking for just that extra step. And I don't mean free labor. I mean, how do you think? forwardly, more forwardly? How do you innovate? But I think the biggest lesson for me was uh, not showing up to leaders and managers and senior people with questions or problems, but being or coming up with solutions or being the solution to an issue. Um, sometimes it got me in over my head. Um, I was taking on other people's jobs or other people's work. And, you know, you have to be careful about doing too much of that as well. But 
I, I would say to, to, to put it more succinctly, um, really looking at um, your role in a company as being um, limitless in terms of how you can contribute if you approach it from a solutions um, perspective versus um, questions and problems and issues. Yeah, and I think I, I just have to re restate what I heard you say for people who are looking to progress within an organization. You have to think forward. You have to find your voice, innovate, be a solutions-oriented person. And that means coming with solutions rather than problems and sort of create limitless boundaries for yourself within, within that company. With your progress climbing this ladder, you've got to have had one or two hurdles along the way. Can you talk about one of those hurdles and then a lesson that you learned? Really goes back to where we started. And, you know, uh, you acknowledge that I began with saying I'm a mom and I'm a wife. Um, and, and it was really in the way you positioned the question, who are you? And, you know, I am not just defined my, by my career and I don't want to be as such um, but really the hurdle that occurred, you know, in my life was really that decision to start a family while working in a really fast pace in a really demanding position. And at that time, I wasn't in a senior role. Um, so it was a it was a major, major decision, at least at the time in my mind, because I thought I was making um, an ultimatum on my career. I thought it was an ultimatum and I think we don't talk about it enough. I don't want to reduce by any stretch of the imagination that women um, who choose to, to have a family and desire to have a family should be afforded the opportunity to be supported in the workplace in doing so. Um, so, you know, through my own experience, I'm very, very deliberate and cognizant of how I am <laughs> treating mothers on staff or understanding of mothers on staff, not a handicap, but it's like, is if you're going to provide for me the tools that are necessary to do my job well, for me to show up to work every day as a healthy and whole human being, um, the same should be afforded to, to moms. And like I said, you know, that was the hurdle for me because very, very challenging um, to, to work in a sports, you know, a fast pace, you know, there's games and then there's office time and there's late nights and there's phone calls and a lot of um, stress about, you know, um, producing and performing and being there for the fan and being there for the staff and, you know, all of the things that come along with that and then add, you know, to insult um, one, a pregnancy. Um, I had both of my children while we were actually displaced. We were playing temporarily in an arena that was, you know, across the river in New Jersey, even though the team was based in New York. So there was like the physical charge of that. And then just sort of the balance, or I don't even know if you could call it balance, but the, the juggling of having babies at home and, you know, your mind is there with them, but it needs to be at work or you're, you know, you're at home with your babies, but your mind is at work. So, you know, it's, that was probably the most challenging two or three years of my life. Now that my children are, are seven and almost nine, um, we've gotten a rhythm. And I think the, the learning here and, and advice really that I give to, to, to women or, or people who, who have families and are, you know, trying to navigate what that means for their career. What I would say is, um, you know, really it's about figuring out what works for you. And honestly, um, 
having a support system, um, pre-planning. I always say I was, I've, I've become a more efficient employee since having my children. My time management increased immediately. Like all of the things that made this work for us um, are what allowed me to continue and not feel like, okay, here's where I get off. I'm going to be a manager for the rest of my life because I really need to be a mom. And that was, you know, uh, it, it was a really sobering moment for me. And some days I just have to let myself off the hook and, and, you know, not be so hard on, you know, did I miss something at school? Was I late for something? And in the same token, um, in front of colleagues, and sometimes there were male colleagues where you're nervous about saying, well, I have to leave at 5.05 and I can't stay late for, you know, and, and that's happened to me in my career. Well, you can't stay because I know you have kids at home. And it, I felt down about that for, for a long time, but it's just like, no, like I have to figure out a way to make this work for me, for my career while still contributing to this organization. And I think that's the thing that I'm most proud of that I've been able to prove that over time. You guys, we have a new website, leadershipisfemale.com. Please visit us and know that we are here to help get you to the top faster. Are you a career female looking for an edge? Are you looking for answers on how you can level up? Our purpose is to bring interviews with female leaders in sports each week through this podcast, Leadership is Female, so you can uncover opportunities, hear tips to elevate your career, Learn from our mistakes and successes so that you can get to the top faster. We're giving you all the advice we know now that we wish we knew then. We're extending a hand back to lead you forward. Let's go. Visit leadershipisfemale.com. Join our newsletter. Check out all the episodes of the podcast and stay tuned for more resources to lead you forward. Leadershipisfemale.com. I'm so happy you brought that up because I'm also a mother. Um, I've got two boys who are six and three and I've got a baby girl on the way. And there's all this emotion um, around bringing, bringing a baby into the world, first of all. But second of all, when you are in a big leadership role and specifically in sports, I remember when I first um, started this journey about seven years ago, I was pregnant during the baseball season. My son was born in September. So we ended the season and, um, and then, you know, there, there he came <laughs> and I hardly took a maternity leave. It was a mm -hmm. couple of weeks and then I worked from home and I, you know, I didn't want to lose ground and it worked for me at the time. And then I had to find my new normal. Like what were my boundaries? Um, where was I going to make my contributions to the organization? Mm -hmm. I could do both. I could be a great mom and also a great leader for the baseball team. But I had to start to stand up for myself too. Like, was it really important to go to that networking event? All right. Mm -hmm. So I started evaluating who's going to be there. And if I didn't know that there was somebody that was going to be at some after work event that I should connect with, I wasn't going to roll the dice on that chance. I would rather spend that time at home and then, you know, tackle the, the business opportunities the next morning um, when, I, when I got in the office. So 
I think you've got to find sort of your comfort. Um, you've got to set your boundaries and you have to know, have that confidence to know like how you can contribute to the organization. And it's not despite the fact that you're a mom. I think it's because you're a mom. Like when I was pregnant and brought these kids into the world, like I had a new connection with partners and stakeholders in our organization that I never knew had existed because they would open up to me and tell me about their families. And, you know, they were just as excited and prideful about their kids scoring a goal and eager to tell somebody about it. And now they had me. And so our relationship with the, with the team and their investment in our team sort of deepened as a result that we could connect at this next level. So I think there's also some ace in the hole, um, with, with being a a working mom and, um, being able to connect with people on another level. And also, you know, it's another, it's another level to view the organization. Like how are we accommodating for families? Like, is this something that kids would enjoy? You know, how can we expand our target market? A family can buy four tickets and individual buys one. So I think it sort of expands your personal view as well. 100%. And, you know, first off, congratulations, by the way. Oh, thanks. Going for for number three, Uh, more power to you. Absolutely. But, you know, I could not agree more with, with what you just shared. And, and we, you know, we have a similar view on this and thinking about sports and what it represents in terms of bringing people together and camaraderie and rooting for a like cause and creating memories. And, and these are things that I, I knew before I, I had these, these two little ones, but to watch, um, and my, my daughter is older. I had a, I had a baby girl first to watch um, how my husband's view of the WNBA really changed after he had a little girl. Now, at first it was like, I have a girlfriend who works in the WNBA. So, you know, he was, he was getting less and less, you know, little chauvinistic uh, tendencies and he was becoming more and more a feminist, you know, just in dating me and then being married to me, but it was a completely different perspective for him when he had a little girl and as Avery gets older and he wants her to have all the same opportunities, like all of the things that I've been preaching and we want, this league and this team to represent for what's possible, you can't be paint a better picture than when, you know, a dad has a little girl. Um, so, you know, that's just one tiny piece. And the WNBA had, has celebrated dads and daughters for a long time. I think we even saw, you know, very, very um, sentimentally the connection between um, Kobe and his daughter um, before their tragic death, like how so many people identified with that and really just saw the the human side of like what this connection could mean and, and really what sports and athletics means for a family. Um, so I think, you know, all of that, I, I always say to my staff, like, we need to always be bringing our entire selves to work. So that's my contribution. One of my contributions anyways. Um, I love that. Bring your entire self to work. That's beautiful. And the fact that you do the girls and dads initiative in the WNBA, I think is fantastic because as we look through, um, our position of, of equity and inclusion for women, I think like, I always say, guys, we need your voices too. And this whole 
it feels like a movement. I mean, I personally, I'm sort of going through it because I'm going to have a daughter, you know, you have a daughter, but we're talking so much more about the girl dad. And I think Mm -hmm. the girl dad is going to help us along this path because men who are fortunate enough to have daughters, as you stated, Kia, like they want the world for them. And so I, I think that's an extra level of support, like in this movement. And I'm, I'm personally really excited about it as well. You talked about the WNBA and some of the initiatives and, and what, what you're looking forward to, but talk to us about what's the future of the WNBA. Like we, you got such a wonderful platform last year, successful execution of the season in in the wobble. Like we're really elevating women's sports on a national and global platform. What's the future? Yes, you know, having been uh, associated with this league for a substantial amount of time, what I can say is we are absolutely moving in the right direction. Like there are so many positive KPIs, positive sentiment, um, positive coverage. And, you know, I think we all saw it specifically um, in the summer of 2020 with um, the players um just rallying together and having a concerted and impactful um, approach to activism and advocacy um, for marginalized folks, for people who have been um, subject to state-sanctioned violence. Like, they use their voices in a way that they have always stood for equality, I think, but really just started to to get loud about it and, and be demonstrative about um, and, tact, um, and have tactics around what they were doing. Like, I couldn't be more proud, like I said, to be in association with that. And I think it's just going to continue and flourish and grow. And there's a confidence about being leaders in this space that I hear directly from the women in this league. Um, I, I, I happen to serve on the Social Justice Committee, um, which is a collection of players um, along with the league and the union and team representation. And just to 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 sit in and almost be, you know, an active listener in what our what our approach should be and what it will become over time is just fascinating and. It's, it's truly in that, and I, I've said this before, women are always at the forefront of any movement if you look back historically. So it's really only fitting that, you know, one of the longest standing team sports leagues is right at the forefront of, of this type of conversation. But I can't ignore for one second that where we begin is the basketball. Um, the, the competitiveness, the talent in the league right now is is off the charts um, and no disrespect to the pioneers of this game, but the women in this league grew up, you know, there, there's a certain subset of a certain age who had a chance to see and aspire to be professional. So the, the talent is just through the roof now and the basketball is exciting and elite and high level and dare I say the greatest in the world. So I think with those two things working for us, like a product that only gets better with time and more respected with time. Um, and, and not that, you know, men have to be the people who, um, you know, weigh what's credible and what's not, what's authentic and what's not. But since people oftentimes just view men as, you know, the keepers of sport, there are men who, there are NBA players, I shouldn't just say men, NBA players have 
high respect and high regard for the WNBA and the women who play in this league and their skill level. So I think that's something that's changed and continues to get better to the point where, you know, we are just talking about pro sports and we don't have to differentiate between pro women's sports and pro men's sports. It's, it's the, the age old like game recognizes game and, you know, this is a beautiful game. So I think what's next is, is continued growth. Um, What's next is we will celebrate these 25 years in spite of any anything that naysayers or um, you know people who question the longevity of the league over time have had. Um, we are here. Um, we're here to stay. Um, we we have a louder voice, and I think you know um, we'll continue to get better. 25 years. That's incredible. And you touched on this a little bit with the social justice movement. And you said um, part of your role is to be an active listener. And I just want to restate that for our listeners to continue to be an active listener. And also you said demonstrative with tactics. So what is your voice? You know, sort of circling back to earlier in our conversation, finding your voice, how are you going to stand up developing those tactics and never ever forgetting to be an active listener. I think that's beautiful. And regarding the talent in the WNBA, I mean, wow. It's it's been so fun to watch the league grow over these years and the women excel, find their voices on and off the court. It's just it's so exciting. So, what are you most looking forward to this season for the New York Liberty? Well, I'd be lying if I didn't say I can't wait to see my team, <laughs> the, the Liberty, um, in person. I, I was joking with with the team, um, with the staff, that this last summer was the first time that I didn't um, attend a WNBA game in almost, I mean, it maybe fifteen years, um, maybe maybe six, fifteen or sixteen years. I have to do the math, but. Um, it was painful. Um, of course, I watched on television, but I'm most, you know, personally looking forward to seeing my team, seeing the Liberty in person, um, but more importantly, to see them um, and, and have fans be able to experience uh, Liberty basketball, WNBA basketball in Barclays Center. Um, for, for anyone who's not aware, the team had been in flux to a certain extent. We had moved from one arena to another. Um, there was a transition in ownership. So the return to um, the city is incredibly exciting. Um, there are a lot of new and exciting um, franchise um, decisions that have been made. Um, we unveiled a new logo. Um, there's a couple other bells and whistles coming for the 2021 season that I can't exactly talk about, um, but a lot to be excited for, a lot to pay attention to, um, but mostly it's just, you know, the opportunity to see um, this beautiful game, this competitive game be played on, the, on, the, on a major stage um, like the Barclays Center, I think is the most exciting thing for me. Wow. Just dreaming of that tip-off feeling on that first game is it, it stirs up all the emotions. I'm, I don't work for the New York Liberty, but I can put myself in those shoes in that stadium and imagine what it, what that would be like. And wow, it's going to be such an incredible moment and one that you and the fans are, are never going to forget. So make sure uh, if you have an opportunity to be in New York for that, grab, grab those tickets. Cause that will be 
unforgettable piece, piece of history. I got to ask you, you're such an incredible female leader. What is your best advice for women to apply to their lives and their careers today so that they can level up tomorrow? Specific to women, um, I would say, and, and again, this is something that I've grown into that I've, I've learned to remind myself to do, and that is to believe in yourself as unconditionally and unapologetically as a man would believe in himself. And, and not to always make it a comparison between men and women, but I, whether it be biology or sociology, um, you know, I think sometimes as women, our, or even as girls, beginning as girls, our confidence innately, just I've witnessed it even in, you know, my own children, just it seems like the boys jump out a little further. They're a little more sure of themselves sometimes. And I'm generalizing, but, you know, it's what I've known you know, it's been my experience and I've witnessed it even, you know, in family and friends. So I think the more that we could instill like that belief in yourself and being unapologetic and really just, you know, having the swag about you is, is okay. It's not flamboyant. It's not showing off. It's not, you know, trying to be like someone else. And I think we, we celebrate that sometimes in guys and we don't so much in, in young ladies. So that would be my advice to, to, to women, particularly to younger women um, or any woman who hasn't found that sort of safe, um, safe space in themselves, that confidence in themselves. And you mentioned Kia that you have grown that self-confidence and that voice over time. What are the ways that you found that voice, that you found that confidence that you've developed over the course of your career? Yeah, really, probably reflection. Um, when you take a step back and look at what you have accomplished and how you have influenced or impacted an organization, a bottom line, a person's life, like all of the things that sort of puff us up, you know, and, and sometimes like, again, we're afraid to like, puff ourselves up. And it's like, no, it's okay to celebrate that you did a good thing and you did something well. And it would take me or someone who loves me, like my mom or my husband and saying, well, you were responsible for that. Well, do you remember when, and weren't you in charge of? And it's like, huh, I was actually, and, and it's important. And I encourage, um, you know, people, uh, in, in spaces such as this, when I speak on panels, like, you should keep notes. Um, I I used to save drafts of emails, like you know, a, a supervisor, a boss, a colleague would send something that was inspiring. It was, you know, something that was um, complimenting a, an email or note that complimented me. I saved those and go back to them, not to make my head big, but to remember, like I'm making a difference. And, you know, I think that gives you a certain fortitude and a certain confidence about like moving forward when you know that, you know, you've been here before you've done this before. It's that's such an important tip. Um, in fact, I did that this morning. I was so stressed out. I had, you know, to get the kids ready and I had to run and drop them off at school and I have meetings all day. I'm not sure I'm going to get a chance to even leave this chair. And I was frazzled about everything I had on my plate and I was pouring myself coffee and I just stopped and said, Emily, this is the life you dreamed of. You've mm -hmm. got two kids at the counter. 
you have to rush them off to school because you have a full and fulfilling day in your work, in your passions, like put a smile on your face and don't let that stress overtake you. And honestly, that moment of reflection reset my entire day. And so it's such a great point that you made, like take a step back and look at all you have done. You've accomplished so much to get to where you are today, acknowledge it, and then let that confidence buoy you on your next endeavor. I love it. We finished this show uh, with your favorite quote. So Kia, will you share yours with us? If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And I actually don't know who said it. I guess I should know that. But um, (laughs) at any rate, I, I discovered this quote probably when I was in 11th or 12th grade. I was given like a captain speech for a softball game before we played the Crosstown Rival. And I remember at that moment really um, loving the camaraderie of of playing with teammates. Um, I'm an only child, so the sisterhood of sports is is really where I found connection and you know that little familial sense. So I've always sort of gone back to it. And somewhere along the lines, probably five or six years ago, um, a lot of the work that I've done with the with the Liberty has crossed over into social justice issues. And it really um, helped me from a personal and professional standpoint, like those two worlds collided where the things that I stood for personally, I had an opportunity to represent professionally because it was important to players as well. So um, it's something that I, I definitely honor and um, inspires me um, to continue this work, um, the work of elevating women, the work of equality, um, the work of education and, and helping people uh, sort of just get along, get along together in a better way. And that has been recognized. You've been named to Involves 2020 top 100 ethnic minority executives in Sports Illustrated, the unrelenting list because of your work, because of your voice. Kia, wow, it's been such an incredible conversation with you. Keep crushing it. We will continue to follow you and support you. Where can uh, we stay in touch? You can stay in touch. Uh, we are uh, at NY Liberty on all of our social handles. I am personally at Kia Clark on Instagram and Twitter. Awesome. Thank you so, so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me, Emily. Really, really wonderful to speak with you. Let's get into the top four takeaways from Kia Clark. Number one, remain fluid calm, and collected. Number two, advocate for yourself, think forward, innovate, and be solutions-oriented. You are limitless when you can find your voice. Finding your voice changes everything. Number three, bring your entire self to work. And number four, believe in yourself unconditionally and unapologetically as much as any man would believe in himself. How? Reflection. Acknowledge what you have accomplished and take pride and celebration in all that you have done. Hey, leaders, if you want to be in for a treat, definitely subscribe to this show if you have not done so already because we have so many amazing episodes coming up. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify wherever you listen so you don't miss out. 
And if you leave us a review or post about me or tag Leadership is Female on your Instagram stories to talk about the show, we'll enter you into a giveaway. We're giving away something every single month. Some of my favorite things from my favorite work bag to my favorite sunglasses. Make sure that you spread the word and we will reward you for that. I'll also send you a personal thank you note and repost your comments and reviews. Last thing, did this episode bring you any insights, ideas, aha moments, anything you are inspired by? If so, take one second and share the link, post about it on your Instagram, text your friend, email, so many ways to share leadership is female. And if you do post about this show, again, don't forget to tag at Leadership is Female or at Emily Jansen or my awesome guest today, because knowing that this conversation made a difference for you means the world to us and we love to see it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Leadership is Female podcast. It means the world to me that you chose to spend your time with this podcast today. If you like this episode, subscribe, share, and review. What can you do today to lead her forward? We will do our part to lead her forward because leadership is female. Thank you for joining us. This podcast was recorded and edited by Emily Jansen, public relations by Paige Hegedus, and distributed by Anchor FM.